On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time Imon Irokti Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligam, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, the hitman from Vegas and the divorcee from Ennis. The Lying Eyes of Sharon Collins I suppose you think I want to be rid of my husband so I can get what he has. Well, I do want to inherit. I want my home and an income, of course. But there's a lot more to it. In 2006, Sharon Collins searched online for weight loss, diet tips and how to hire a hitman. The main reason I'm doing this is because he's continuously trying to force me to go out and pick up a stranger for sex. He finds the idea of it exciting and insists I must do it or I'm out. And he will make sure that I have absolutely nothing. The divorced mother of two was living with her long-term partner and millionaire, PJ Howard. From luxury yachts to stylish homes, she had it all, except for one thing, marriage. PJ Howard didn't want to marry Sharon Collins. PJ's priority was his two sons, and he essentially wanted Robert and Niall to inherit everything. What unfolded would be one of the most elaborate murder conspiracies that would involve fake marriage certs, lethal poisoning, and a hitman from the USA. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Emer Connolly, the author of Lying Eyes and the Hitman for Hire, to look at one of the most infamous cases in Irish legal history. Emer, who are PJ Howard and Sharon Collins? Kevin, PJ Howard was uh, a multimillionaire businessman living in Ennis, um, ran a property business uh, in the town uh, with property in Ennis and overseas in Spain where he had an apartment and a boat. A very low profile individual uh, who had never really courted publicity in any shape or form. And he had uh, been been married and widowed. In 1998, PJ Howard uh, walked into a furniture shop uh, in Ennis, the shop was ran by Sharon Collins, and uh, he instantly their eyes met, um, and they were instantly attracted to each other, and a relationship started between them. And uh, Sharon was the complete opposite in many ways to PJ Howard. Um, was outgoing, uh, personable around town, was well-known, was well-liked, had been involved in a couple of businesses in the town, um, had been separated with two sons. Um, So very quickly, 
uh, within a short period of time, Sharon and her sons moved into PJ's mansion, uh, Ballybeg House, on the outskirts of Ennis. Um, and and the relationship really, um, uh, you know, I suppose from from those on the outside appeared to go from strength to strength. They appeared to be deeply in love, um, and uh, and appeared to have a, a great future together. And it was a real step up in lifestyle for Sharon Collins, wasn't it? It was. Sharon Collins um, had very outgoing personality, loved the high life, but had grown up uh, in in very close to Ennis Town Centre, uh, an ordinary upbringing, um, lived in a terraced house. Um, and then when she married um, Noel Collins from Newmarket and Fergus, again, lived a very ordinary lifestyle. So there was, there was I suppose, a complete uh, contrast to PJ's life where money was no object. Sharon Collins had uh, worked in, in various jobs. Again, I suppose, like any working, uh, working mother of two, two young boys, uh, had lived quite the ordinary lifestyle. And then things did change when she she got together with PJ. You say the relationship went from strength to strength and she moved into the mansion in Ennis. They holidayed abroad, they had houses abroad, access to yachts, all of that. But there was one thing that PJ didn't seem inclined to agree to that Sharon really wanted. PJ Howard didn't want to marry uh, Sharon Collins. PJ's priority was his two sons, uh, Robert and Niall, who ran the property business with them, continued to run the property business. Um, and he essentially wanted Robert and Niall to inherit everything. Um, and while he pledged himself to Sharon at a ceremony in, in Sorrento uh, in 2005, um, he made it clear to her that he didn't want to marry her. So they had a ceremony, they had a party when they came back to Ireland. But um, as far as he was concerned, he wasn't going to marry her. And this became a real issue for her for a, a number of reasons. And she said about getting a fake marriage cert. She did. Uh, she went online um, and she got onto a website, Proxy Marriages, and she managed to buy um, a fake marriage cert uh, online. Um, and uh, no issue that that arrived in the post. But what she then did, she she he travelled to Cork, went down to the passport office, and got a passport in the name Sharon Howard. So this was all part of her plan uh, that you know if PJ. Robert and Niall were going to disappear. Well, she was going to inherit, even though PJ said, hey, I'm not going to marry you. But she had the name in the passport, um, in her, her eyes, legitimate proxy marriage cert. And this was the first part of her plan, which she felt was coming together really nicely. So it would later emerge that this wasn't just about PJ being a bit older than her and someday that the likelihood was that he would die and therefore she would naturally inherit a lot of his fortune if they were married. She wanted to take control of the situation. Yes, she wanted everything and she seemed to be in a, in a rush. Um, so she'd met him um, in, in 1998 and then all of this happened in, in 2006, so quite a short period of time really. Um, and, you know, in her correspondence to uh, to Hitman, who she had uh, got in contact with um, on, on email, who she thought was a Hitman, um, one of the, I suppose, compelling uh, lines she wrote at one point was, she said, she did have a concern about what was going to happen to the two Howard sons who she got on well with. But she said PJ was a real asshole and makes my life hell. So she really wanted to get rid of him. And like that, just in case the two boys had any claim to the inheritance, let's wipe them all out. That was her plan. 
So she goes online and me and you, Emer, well, certainly me, I, I, I don't know you very well, but I, I have never gone looking for a hitman or thought about looking for a hitman. But if I was going to, the first place I would probably go is www.hitmanforhire.com. This was ludicrous that she could sit in her office, uh, PJ Howard's office where she worked on on a laptop as the laptops were later uh, forensically examined um, and start doing all these searches and then came across who she thought was a hitman, who essentially was an Egyptian con artist. And she set up an email address, lyingeyes98 at yahoo.ie. It's it's not the most sophisticated plot, is it? No, it's not. And and the lying eyes um link, she was asked about that um in, in cross-examination in the in the trial. Um and she was asked about, you know, the connection to that song where the beautiful young woman married the rich older man and and, and her her answer um and and her her very um almost a giggly answer was well actually Robert Howard was the one who was in older music. This was the older of PJ's sons. I, I'm more into Justin Timberlake myself, so it couldn't have been me. So it was almost that she she almost started to distance herself so much from it that she almost believed and still maintains her innocence that she actually didn't set up that email account. So here's this woman, because the court found this. She's emailing hire underscore hitman at yahoo.com. And it's from that that she then gets into contact with the man she thinks is going to kill her husband. Or, sorry, not husband, which was the problem. Esam Eid, tell me about him. Okay, so Esam Eid, um, the man behind uh, the Hitman for Hire uh, correspondence, he was um, an Egyptian poker player, um, essentially little more than a con man. And as was found by the jury, he wasn't convicted of conspiring to murder. He was convicted of extortion. So he was he was a chancer, essentially. Um, you know, after after considerable communication between Lion Eyes and Hitman, she sent money. She sent 15,000 euro by FedEx to the States. This was the deposit. But there was a bit more to him than, than, than the, I suppose, just the chancer. His wife, one of his wives, uh, Teresa Engel, um, she told the court um, in her testimony that herself and Eid had actually made the rice and poison at their home in Las Vegas and they brought it to Ireland. Um, and yes, there was substance to that because when he was arrested, eventually, um, rice and poison was found in a contact lens case um, at Limerick Prison. And that was one of the first leads that the guards in Ennis had where, oh, hold on, who's this guy? He's he's accused of attempting to extort money from the Howard brothers. Uh, he's in Limerick Prison. Uh, now there's rice and poison. Uh, Therese Engel says that they made it because one of the uh, the ways the, the, the boys could have been killed uh, as discussed on email was, let's poison them. So there was a certain amount of intent. He always maintained, I'm just a con man, I'm out to make a few bob. But they made the ricin and there was clear evidence of that as well. So there was a, there were several layers to this. So SME had basically thought he'd hit the jackpot with this dysfunctional family. Sharon Collins had given him 15,000 euro. He then went to the Howards demanding money to basically cancel the hit. Mm-hmm. And it's at that point that the Howard sons go, hold on here, there's something major and they go to the guards. 
Yes, that was it. So, so Sharon had um, had had told Eid to to take a, a computer from the office, left out a key for him. He took the computer, and there was an investigation then over a break into the office. Then he um, tried to get in contact with Sharon Collins, couldn't make contact with her. Then lost patience um, and and went out to Robert and Niall's house on the outskirts of Ennis. Brought a laptop, brought instructions from Sharon brought some family pictures that she had sent him. Uh, one of those was where she said, I'm the devil in the red dress, picture of her in a red dress. Um, and he said to Robert Howard, look, Robert, there's a contract on your lives. Uh, here's some evidence. And, you know, 100 grand and uh, you can buy out that contract. And he showed him some of the emails. Um, so Robert Howard then said, do you know what? I'll meet you tomorrow evening in Ennis Town in the Old Ground Hotel um, and I'll, I'll give you the money to get rid of the contract. But what he did then was he contacted the guard. The sting was set up and Eid, Eid and Therese Engel were arrested at that stage. And really, at that point, the game was up because that's when all the pieces of the jigsaw started coming together for the guard. The game was up, but Sharon Collins wasn't giving up, was she? She's arrested. She's charged. She's brought before the courts. And then the things that started to unravel would raise your eyebrows even further if that was possible. Yes, this is when when all of the, I suppose, the the inherent detail came together about what the plan was. This wasn't just a randomer who who landed in from the States up to the the houses of of, uh, two uh, young millionaire brothers. There was a lot more to it. How had he arrived there? What was the intent? And then I think it was what really captured the nation at the time was the level of detail um, from Sharon Collins that, you know, she was absolutely adamant throughout that she was innocent. She wrote to the DPP three times uh, in in 2007, so uh, the year before the trial. And, you know, big, long, detailed letters, please don't charge me. PJ Howard wrote to the DPP, please don't charge her. You know, she's the victim of a scam because that's what she had led him to believe at the time. She um, she made up a fictional character called Maria Marconi. And she said Maria Marconi was teaching her how to write. She wanted to be a novelist um, and she wanted to develop her imagination. And she said that she confided in Maria Marconi on, on emails about PJ and how you know, he wasn't very nice to her, didn't treat her well, and she was sick from et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then she was blackmailed. And what she said was she sent the 15,000 euro to snuff out the blackmail and kind of put an end to that. Um, and no, no trace ever found of this lady. So a fictional character, again, all part of the plot. During all this period, PJ Howard is still on her side. He's in court every day during the trial, but tell me about the Jerry Ryan emails. The Jerry Ryan emails were hugely damaging for PJ Howard. And this press particularly, just think of it, quite a small town, Midwest of Ireland, low profile. Um, I had worked and lived in there for several years at the time. Had never heard of him except, oh, here's the Howard man. This is his property. He suddenly, all of the so-called sexual preferences of PJ Howard were all aired in court. So she had claimed in emails to the Jerry Ryan show, which were read out during the trial, um, that he he wanted her to work as a prostitute, wanted sex with strangers, and essentially was demanding from that perspective. Jerry, I'm living in an unbearable situation with very few real options and decided to share it with your listeners. 
in the hope that hearing it on the air will clarify things for me and perhaps push me into making the move that frightens me so much. He has a holiday home abroad and likes us to spend as much time there as possible. However, the main attraction for him there is the sex industry. He uses prostitutes and transvestites regularly. But what he really wants is for me to engage in what he describes as strange sex. I was pressurised to pick up a stranger and have sex with him, or have a threesome with a male escort and himself. He has even told me he would love it if I would work as a prostitute and that this would really turn him on. He has insisted on many occasions that we go to swingers clubs while abroad and has been unbearable to live with afterwards, as I don't want to partake in what goes on there. I've witnessed things that I sincerely wish I never had to see. I haven't done any of the things he wants me to do. Nevertheless, every single time we have sex, I have to describe to him in detail what I would do if there was another man and I had to be inventive. This, it seems, is necessary for him to keep an erection. If I don't do this, he'll blame me for losing his erection and there would be another black mood. But she had sent those uh, sent those emails about him. At the time, they were sent anonymously. But all of that was uncovered when the guards went, went through her computer. So again, this all, this was really, really difficult for PJ Howard. But despite all of that, despite all of the allegations that he sat in court every day and his sons found this particularly difficult, he still stood by her during the trial. And there was a second email then with similar details that had been sent from Lying Eyes to the hitman email. I suppose you think I want to be rid of my husband so I can get what he has. Well, I do want to inherit. I want my home and an income, of course. But there's a lot more to it. The main reason I'm doing this is because he's continuously trying to force me to go out and pick up a stranger for sex. He finds the idea of it exciting and insists I must do it or I'm out. And he will make sure that I have absolutely nothing. Well, I will not do that. No way. The mother of my boys is not a slut. Frankly, I don't care what he does. I don't mind if he has sex with hookers or transvestites every day, but leave me out of it. So that was where the connection was made that, you know, she, you know, she said, well, hold on, I didn't send those emails. But then, you know, the guards drew their conclusions. Well, similar content. You sent these to Jerry Ryan show you've accepted that, but you're not accepting that you were the person. But again, this was all part of wasn't me, wasn't me, it was blackmailed. I'm not sure who had access to the office. And she was pushed on that a few times. Um, very few people had access to the office, but certainly I didn't send any of those. So this was all part of her her, her concoction of lies. And then at another point in the trial, Samid claimed that he had actually been having an affair which Aaron Collins himself, and that that was actually what was going on here. Yeah, that was that was a line that he used. And again, she was asked about that. And absolutely, absolutely, no, this was not the case. But at that point, it was so difficult to believe because there was so much lies. Who was telling the truth? What was going on? Because there were so many different layers to it. And, and so many of them were bizarre. And I think particularly for those who knew PJ Howard on a local scale, genuinely could not believe that this was going on. And Emer, what happened in the end? So in the end, um, Sharon Collins was convicted of conspiracy to murder the three. Um, that was later set aside because Eid was not convicted of conspiring with her. She was also convicted of soliciting Eid um, to murder the three. He was convicted of extortion, uh, six-year sentences. And again, after what was it, was it over three years um, or so, she was um, she was freed. He was freed, um, extradited home, um, hasn't been seen since. 
she has has set i suppose taken taken on um her her own life she's resumed her life afterwards moved up north um moved to Limerick initially, moved up north then, uh, involved in dog grooming instance. Again, low profile, very little known about either herself or PJ Howard um, at this stage. Um, he he assumed the relative anonymity that he had enjoyed prior to this trial pretty quickly afterwards, um, even though he did stand by her in, in the court case and gave her a kiss on the lips after he gave evidence um, as a prosecution uh, witness. Um, he, he, the relationship, they parted ways essentially after afterwards um, and, and he moved on and she moved on uh, as well. Um, but essentially, while it's still talked about on the streets of Venice, it, it, the fade factor, Kevin, has certainly set in, no question about it, the impact on, on PJ, who had had a quadruple bypass before this and she'd looked after his medicine he always said I, I'm still happy for her to do that um, certainly um, his life certainly was was hugely Im- implicated by all of this Do we know if he ever accepted the verdict of the jury the idea that she conspired to murder now ultimately because Eid wasn't convicted there was nobody to conspire with and you can't conspire on your own but this, does he accept the narrative that the jury accepted? We don't know initially, um, as as he he remained loyal and visited her in prison and all of that. The the sense was that he didn't because she she certainly never did, um, and she always maintained I'm not lying eyes and still maintains that as far as I'm aware. Um, but afterwards, um, he did he did part company with her. So one wonders what his 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 views were afterwards. But you know, difficult to imagine. But certainly, he had all the appearance throughout the trial. Um, and in the immediate aftermath of the trial that he very much believed her and supported her in every way. And my thanks to Emer Connolly for telling us the story of Lying Eyes. Also thanks to Margaret Donnelly as the voice of Sharon Collins. I'm Kevin Doyle and today's episode was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Garrett Mulhall, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from RTE News, Sconnell on RTE, Virgin Media News, News Talk and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.